Good morning, this is Randy Landry, and this is my 117th podcast in Common Sense and Ramblings in America. Today I'm going to discuss the subject, Are We in a Recession? In order to do so, I'm going to read from an article that I'm going to be publishing this week. So basically I'm going to give you um, an early view of it uh, before it is actually posted on my blog. Um, So, which will be posted sometime next week. By definition, an economy is considered in recession when it experiences two straight quarters of declining GDP. This has been the definition that we've been going by for quite some time now. Now, the lefties, the Democrats, are trying to change the definition, so we'll discuss that a little bit, too. All right. So, according to new data, the U.S. economy shrank by 0.9% last quarter after falling 1.6% the quarter before. The White House's message on the economy has shifted over the last few months. A few months ago, the standard messaging was that the economy is growing and recession isn't going to happen. Then as inflation continued rising and the economy responded, the message became that the GDP might be shrinking, but the economy is still strong. Now that there is clear evidence that matches the definition of recession, though, the White House message has again shifted to outright denying that two-quarters of GDP contraction even counts as a recession. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, for example, said that that, that's not the definition. When asked the U.S. was in a recession, considering back two quarters of negative growth. Back-to-back quarters of negative growth. According to Joe Biden's own chief economic advisor, as well as virtually every economist over the last half century, this is the definition of a recession. While the White House may be playing semantic games, it doesn't change the economic reality. So are we in a recession or not? If you're confused about whether the U.S. economy is in a recession, you are not alone. On one hand, gross domestic product. A key measure of economic growth output shrank for the second straight quarter this week. Hat raising fears that the country has entered or will soon enter recession territory. On the other hand, the job market remains very strong, telling us the economy is still robust. Some economists call two consecutive quarters of contraction a technical recession, and with good reason. Ten out of the last ten times the U.S. economy shrunk for two consecutive quarters, the U.S. economy was declared to be in a recession but massive job losses occurred during seven out of the past seven recessions, and that's not happening now. There is no steadfast... Well, let me just point this out, okay? If people leave the unemployment list, leave the job market, they are no longer considered unemployed, so that drops numbers. And this has been happening quite some time now. Especially with COVID, people are just leaving the job market, maybe for safety or what have you, but... That could have a lot to do with it. There is no steadfast rule governing what defines a recession in states. Instead, the official designation is determined by eight economists who serve together on a business cycle dating committee. The group works under the umbrella of the National Bureau of Economic Research, or NIBR, a private nonprofit organization. It is yet to use the recession label. They abide by a relatively vague definition that allows for wiggle room. A recessionary right involves a significant decline in activity, activity that has spread across the economy and lasts more than a few months. So are we in a recession? Really? It's hard to say. 
but here's why we may be and what we may not be. Inventories. U.S. economy shrinks in the second quarter. Business inventory problems play a key role in the swings in the economy, and a large chunk of the economic contraction we saw last quarter came from the companies slowing the expansion of those inventories. Last year, businesses stocked up on goods to get ahead of the supply chain woes and anticipation of COVID consumer demand, but now they may be overstocked. GDP contracted at an annual rate of 0.9 in the second quarter, but a slowdown in the inventory accumulation removed a whopping 2 percentage points from the output. That means the economy would have grown if companies weren't culling their stockpiles. It also signals that consumer demand could be weakening another sign of a recession. Jobs. The labor market has remained a source of strength for the economy and a shining beacon of hope among those who believe in the United States can't avoid a recession. As of June, 98% of jobs lost during the pandemic have been recovered. Unemployment has remained at its historic lows in 2022, and the U.S. economy has added 2.2 million jobs since January, nearly the fastest growth on record. In May, there have been were about two open positions for every job seeker, along with historically low levels of layoffs. The economy is creating almost 400,000 jobs a month, and paychecks in June were also growing. That doesn't look like a normal recession. Inflation and rate hikes. Inflation is at historic highs in the U.S. and is eating into consumer spending power. U.S. consumer prices surged to a new pandemic-era peak in June, jumping by 9.1% year over year, according to the most recent data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That's higher than the previous reading, when prices arose by 8.6 for the year ending in May. Accordingly, money is tight. In many U.S. households, new data from the Bureau of Economic Analysis shows Americans are having much less than they did, are saving much less than they did a year ago. In May, Americans saved just 5.4% of their disposable income, personal income, down from 12.4% year over year, over year. To counter white-hot inflation, the Federal Reserve has approved a series of supersized interest rate hikes this year. Higher rates keep prices in check by slowing the economy down, but the Fed is walking in the airline. In the 11 times the Fed raised rates, the Fed has successfully avoided recession only three times. During each of those cycles, the inflation was lower than it is today. That has made some analysts and market participants nervous about a potential recession. I, for one, do not believe that lowering or raising interest rates is a, is a beneficial um, because we're just killing the economy, all right? Um, the job market, not job market, the housing market was doing pretty good there for a while. Maybe the prices of the houses were a little off, but that was mainly because supply, um, the demand was greater than the supply. All right. So when that happens, prices go up. So what do you need to do? You need to build more houses. So the, that switches. Um, now the problem is, is that sure you're going to have more houses because nobody's going to afford to buy them. Uh, because nobody can afford to buy them, the housing market, as far as the construction of the housing market, will, will decrease. And when houses being built, decrease number decreases, so does a lot of things. What does it take to build a house? Well, a lot of a lot of manufacturing goes into building a house, from electrical to appliances to plumbing to lumber. I mean, there's just enormous, there's literally hundreds and hundreds or even not that thousands of manufacturing uh, 
things that are involved in building a house or are even more building a, a, a skyscraper or a building or whatever with steel involved in it as well. So this hurts right across the whole board. It slows everything down. And with this happening, what's going to happen is the unemployment rate is going to plummet because people are just not building. They cannot afford to keep all these workers, construction workers, on payroll. So we're going to see a major dip in unemployment or increase in unemployment in people that are working. So this is really a bad deal with the prices being high in the houses, not to mention the, um, the people not being able to afford to buy the house because the higher interest rate is going to really hurt. And we had a bubble a few years back where the prices were too high and they the bubble burst. We could be having another thing, in which case it means that people will be upside down, especially people that just bought houses at the higher rates are now going to have problems. Um, they're going to find out that their houses are worth less than what they owe on them. People are going to be have to go foreclosure, especially if they're laid off from jobs because the housing um, manufacturing industry is going to take a hit. Um, this is a bad, bad thing that's happening in this country. And the Fed is effing it up. Okay. That growth, however, could be the result of rising inflation. Overall, Americans are growing pessimistic about the economy. The Conference Board Consumer Confidence Index decreased in July for the third straight month. About 43% of 3,000 respondents said they think there's a greater than 50% chance that the U.S. will fall into a recession in the next 12 months. While just 13% said that in April. So another thing is, what's happening is, we all know, everybody in this world except for the Democratic leadership knows what started this inflation. Restricting the production of oil. You have a commodity that's now in greater demand, the price will go up. The price of oil controls everything in this country and in this world. Everything that's produced from farmland, I mean from farm um, equipment to um, produce or what have you, and every, the entire manufacturing cycle revolves around petroleum, okay? Even to the plastic bags we put our food in that we have leftovers for, everything. Needles, I mean, the, the syringes, the production of syringes for medicine and the bags that hold the fluids, IV fluids, is produced from petroleum-based products. By hurting the petroleum market, and now the price is going up, we are basically shooting ourselves in the ass, okay? And instead, we are buying oil, so now, from other countries. So now we have money going out of the country instead of coming into the country. Again, we've been doing this for 20 years, but we have a trade deficit. And a trade deficit just destroys the country that is have, have, having to deal with it. So, yes, we have, we're having a lot of problems. Yield curve. The shape of the yield curve, which plots the return of the Treasury securities, is one of the most reliable indicators of the healthy economy and has been flashing signs of a looming recession for most of July. An inverted yield curve is often seen as a signal that investors are more nervous about the immediate future than the longer term, leading interest rates on short-term bonds to move higher than those paid on long-term bonds. Fed Chair Jerome Powell said that he does not think The economy is currently in recession, but yield curves say something else. They've moved into an inversion in the past few weeks. A yield curve inversion has preceded every single recession 
since 1955, according to the research of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. Are we in a recession? Here is what more experts say. The U.S. economy contracted for a second quarter. We already know that. U.S. gross domestic product contracted by 9.9% in the second quarter. We already know that. What is, which is fair enough, it's nigh impossible to call a recession in real time when the economic cycle hasn't been rocked by years of exogenous shocks. But this time around, suffice to say, the global pandemic and Russia's invasion of Ukraine have conspired to create largely unprecedented macroeconomic conditions. Indeed, the economy these days is plain just weird. Just look at how it's generating all sorts of contradictory data. The labor market in particular sure doesn't look recessionary. The economy created 2.7 million jobs in the first half of 2022, an ultra-low employment rate of 3.6 likewise doesn't square with an economic slump. And then there's consumer spending, which remains surprisingly robust. No wonder the experts are confused. It is also important to know that there is a GDP record report was a preliminary estimate only. The data will be revised twice in order to get the final reading. And lastly, let's not forget that the official arbiter of recessions is the National Federal a National Bureau of Economic Research. Two consecutive quarters of economic contraction might look sound and smell like a downturn, but we're not in recession until the neighbor says so. While economic conditions perhaps more confounding than ever, it seemed like an especially good time to check in with a range of economists and strategists. And so we excerpted some other com commentary on the QT or Q2 GDP print. Insisting upon the precise definition of recession will be even more fraught task in light of the unequivocal determination in economic activity reflected in the 0.9 contraction in QT real GDP. While this morning, that was Tom, Tim Quinlan, while this morning GDP reading marks two negative quarters of GDP proof, we'll push back on the notion that we're in a recession. This is Cliff Hodge, Chief Investment Officer for Cornerstone Wealth. Recession has arrived. Back-to-back -back quarterly declines and real economic activity are not part of the Niebuhr determination of a recession. David Rosenberg, founder and president of Rosenberg Research. The back-to-back Contraction of GP will feed the debate about whether the U.S. is or is soon headed for recession. This is Sal Gutierrez, senior economist of BMO Capital Markets. While the GDP climbed for the second quarter, the official definition of recession is judgmental mix of levels and rates of change across several variables. Jan Hazardous, chief economist at Global Investment Research Division at Goldman Sachs. And I have several more. I'm not going to read them all. How bad could the next recession be? The chances of a recession ticked higher last week by the Federal Reserve's latest rate hike and hawkish forward guidance. The good news, if it does come to pass, recession today is likely to be shallower and less damaging to corporate earnings and recent downturns. Here's why. Manager Wealth, find a financial advisor, branch, a private wealth advisor near and turn Aside from the pandemic-induced 2020 recession, other recent recessions have been credit-driven, including the Great Financial Crisis of 2007-2008 and the dot-com bust of 2000-2001. In those cases, debt-related excesses built up in housing, internet, infrastructure, and it took nearly a decade for the economy to absorb them. By contrast, excess 
liquidity, not debt, is the most likely catalyst for recession today. In this case, extreme levels of COVID-related physical monetary stimulus pump money into the households and investment markets, contributing to inflation and driving speculation in financial assets. The difference is important for investors. Historically, damage to corporate earnings tends to be more modest during inflation-driven recessions. For example, during the inflation-driven recessions of 1982 and 83, when the Fed raised its policy rate to 20%, and 73-74, when the rate reached 11%, S&P 500 profits fell 14 to 15 respectively. This compares with profit declines of 57% during the Great Financial Crisis and 32% during the tech crash. Beyond historical trends, several economic factors point to a lesser recession should one come to pass. The housing and auto industries are strong. Well, we just discussed that. The interest rates are going to hurt that purchase of that. Housing prices have been high and resilient while inventories are tight and could fall even further with higher interest rates. Broadhouse production rates are below prior peaks due to semiconductor shortages. Interesting, I did not know that. I've written two more articles about semiconductors um, and um, Thailand, Taiwan and um, Silicon Valley. So they're going to be coming out in this week and next week. So this kind of ties in with that. Um, as supply chains clear, other backlogs could keep manufacturing activity uncharacteristically high for recession. Labor market dynamics remain robust. Not only is the labor market tight as defined by unemployment rates, but is also showing record high ratios of new job openings to potential applicants. This suggests that rather than laying off current employees, companies may first reduce their open job postings, potentially delaying the hit to an unemployment. Um, just a little right here. Uh, unemployment, the um, Amazon and Walmart, two of the biggest um, sources of labor in this country right now, have reduced their um, worker number by substantial number, like over 100,000 each. That's a lot of people to be unemployed um, by that. Um, so that's gonna hurt us. Balance sheets are in the best shape in decades across households, companies, and banking system. I don't know about that. My balance sheet sucks right now, so I'm not sure if I'm typical or not, but I'm sure I may not be that atypical. More of a catalyst for corporate capital spending appears strong given current needs around energy infrastructure, automation, and national defense that are not directly linked to the business cycle nor the Fed's actions. Corporate revenues may be more durable. Today's stock index composition shows a growing share of earnings attributed to recurring revenue streams as more companies build subscription and fee-based models. In short, we are positive about the economy's fundamentals and believe they can provide ballast in the event of a recession. Nonetheless, the bear market bottom for stocks may be, still be 5 to 10% away. Investors should remain patient and consider using tax-efficient balancing and including by harvesting losses to neutralize their major overweight and underweight exposures and to continue to emphasize and pursue maximum assets class diversification. So that just concludes um, my article. And basically, it's a load of crap, the article I just wrote, because nobody knows what the hell is going on. Okay, so 
I think we're going to have problems. But you know what? If we had a leadership that was willing to take the measures that we need taken, we could eliminate the recession just like that. Within a couple months, we could turn this around. But we won't do it because you know why? If we do it, that means Trump was right. And we cannot do that. All right? We cannot do that. So we're allowing people to come across our border in ever-increasing numbers and not doing a damn thing about it. And those people are just going to suck our system dry because, first of all, they're illegal. So they don't pay taxes. But they will be allowed to have all this re use all our resources, medical, what have you, education, housing, everything. So they're going to put people up in houses and apartments and all that that are already short supply which is going to drive the prices up even higher because there just won't be any available. And the taxpayers are going to suck up the drive this. So is that right? I don't know. Um, yeah, we're in a mess. And you know what? I really do not. How, how can you say that inflation's only got up like 8% when the price of gas before Biden came into office was under $2 a gallon across the country. Now it is about well, five bucks a gallon. It's over. It's a double, it's over 100% increase in price. 100% plus. So, well, how many points is that in inflation? Oh my God, that's a lot, right? So everything is high price. Eggs are tripled in price. I don't know where they're getting their ideas from. Um, a block of cheese that I used to buy, like three bucks, is now five to six to seven dollars for that same block of cheese. Um, this is insane. Hot dogs have doubled in price. Um, these are just staples for a lot of households, including ours. Um, maybe they're not healthy staples, but they're still staples nonetheless. And I know when we go to the grocery store, you can't go to the grocery store unless you just get the bare minimum and not dump a hundred bucks. We just went there and spent over $250 in a grocery store. And we frankly didn't get that much yet. We really didn't. We did get some meat, which really drove the price up astronomically. But um, overall, otherwise, we didn't get that much. Um, they didn't, we didn't get no milk. We didn't, only got a couple loaves of bread. Um, I got a little bit of uh, um, produce. Um, very limited any kind of frozen. Like we bought one frozen pizza, and that's something I can eat for my diet. It's made out of cauliflower. But it's insane, the prices are going up. And forget about travel. My God, I don't know how people are traveling right now, but we haven't begun anywhere on a road trip, and we'd love to do road trips. Uh, mainly because the price of gas is so damn much. And also, I've been unemployed, but not unemployed, but I've been on um, off work um, without pay uh, because of my surgery. And it's I'm at a new job, so I didn't have a PTO to cover the whole time off that I was recovering from my surgery. So yeah, a little sour grapes there, um, but oh well. Uh, I survived. My wife and I survived, so um, we'll move on and persevere. Um, but because of the surgery, my debt ceiling is higher than it was just six months ago. Um, now I not only have another damn loan again, uh, with very little to show for it, except for uh, some lap marks in my stomach and a smaller stomach, but, um, who the hell knows? It's just right now we're in bad situation and it could get even worse. We got, um, Russia flexing his muscles, and China gnashing their teeth about Taiwan. Um, 
And you know what? I don't really care much for Pelosi, but at least she had bigger cojones than Biden. We cannot let China just stomp our gourd. All right, we have to do something to say no, enough is enough. So, all right, guys, I'm almost at the 25 minute mark here for my podcast. Um, I think I'm going to wrap it up. I have to go for a walk this morning, um, get some exercise, try to lose more damn weight. I'm almost halfway there. My it's um, 308 pounds. My goal was 200. I'm at um, 54. 53 and a half pounds right now. So in a half a pound, I'll be at the halfway mark. Woohoo! Um, and I've done this in uh, two and a half months. So um, I have basically four months to go. Or whatever, it's because of the when I had the surgery. I started losing it before my surgery. So um, I'm on my way. And um, I'm just going to take this little moment to plug my books. I have just finished my sixth book which is insane, where hell I'm getting all this free time from. But you know what? Once you learn how to write a book, writing books becomes much easier, especially if you write about yourself, you know, because it's easy to write about yourself. So five of my six books are actually about myself. I know, who could write that much about what themselves? But you know what? You do a lot of shit in your life, you really do. So I just finished a book on dieting and bariatric surgery. So, um... It's out in the market. It's on, on Amazon Prime. Um, and I've written books, two of them about my family history and my life, basic life. I wrote another one about my nursing career and also about travel, the travel log and a guide. So, um, and if you're planning on traveling to English countries, you can buy my sixth book. And that one is about idiomatic expressions in the English language. It'll help you understand what the hell those Scottish and Irish people are saying. So, all right, guys, be safe. Um, and don't give up the fight. I certainly haven't, even though I do complain and grumble a lot. Take care and be safe. And as Gorka says, watch your six.